to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Last Gen Podcast. My name is Alex Iaquinto, coming at you from South Florida on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries. It is so good to be back with you today. Now, listen, is this the first podcast that I'm recording from South Florida? Let me check. Yes, it is. Because the last podcast, I was in Texas, and then the last po- Dallas, Texas. And then the la- the podcast before that, I was in Indiana. And the podcast before that, I was in Virginia Beach. So this is officially the first podcast um, from my new home in South Florida. Man, can I tell you? Like, I, I know people jump on for the word and they, they jump on for the, you know, the biblical content and stuff. But if you would indulge me just a little bit, how I, how, you know, as I talk about how happy I am to be in South Florida. Man, this has been a dream of mine for so long, and uh, the Lord did it. So thank you, Jesus. I am in South Florida, and I live here. And uh, it's weird. It's it's uh, it's weird getting adjusted. I mean, in a good way. It's like I walk around my neighborhood, and I'm thinking, wow, this is, uh, this is actually real. I feel like I'm on vacation, not going to lie. Um, not that you care, but, you know, just thought I'd. I put that out there. What what it does mean for the last gen is that things are going to ramp up um, because I am now close to the studio. You know, before I was like only about like 2,000 miles away, but now I'm like six. And so <laughs> things will be ramping up quite considerably. And so I'm home for about one or two weeks and then two, two, two to two and a half weeks actually. And then we go to um, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for our homecoming weekend, Victory Tribe homecoming weekend, October 28th. That's a Friday night. That's open to anybody, anybody and everybody. It's a revival meeting one night only. Okay. Um, it's going to be a blowout Victory Tribe members. That means anyone who's connected to this ministry, um, in any way. And I, I hope to see you there. I'm serious. I saw a ton of people, um, just in the last two weeks that, that are connected with the last gen. And it was so good to put some faces to the names. It was so good. I met, um, some people that, you know, comment all the time, write in all the time. And I finally get to meet them. So I'm making new friends and, um, uh, you know, it's good. It's good to see people. And then, so if, if you are anywhere near Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which, you know, most places on the East Coast are, are pretty close. But even if you're not, I'd encourage you get there. It's going to be a life-changing night. And then the next morning, for partners only, if you partner with Miracle Word Ministries financially on a monthly basis, um, you are able to go to the partner banquet. And we're having a brunch. Um, and let me just tell you something. At this brunch... We are making a massive announcement, an announcement that if you are not there, you will wish that you were there. I'm telling you, so not to spoil anything, but it's a massive announcement, so you want to be there. Huge, huge. Um, 
so get there October 28th and the 29th. That Friday is just for is for everybody, and then that next following Saturday is uh, the 29th, and that's for partners only. So I'd love to see you there if you can make it. Let's jump into it today. Was that going on a thought before I got there? Was I? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since I'm close to the studio, we're doing a lot more things. If you've been following the last gen Instagram, which is last gen youth on Instagram, we put it, we're putting out some more real content, um, answering your questions. So I'm texting people. I'm texting our text list. We have almost 100 people on our text list, which is kind of crazy. Um, I personally get these texts. So I send out texts, pray. I'm, I tell you, I'm praying for you, ask for your prayer requests. Um, and then, you know, I get the text back. So it goes to my personal phone. It's not a bot. It's not like some, you know, scam. It's actually me texting you, praying for you. Um, and I'll respond back if you, if you respond. So I texted people, um, saying I'm going to answer some questions and a ton of questions came in. So we're making a ton of real content and real by real, I mean, Instagram reels. So go and watch that short form content. It'll bless you. And then we're going to be doing some cool stuff in the studio that I'm excited for. So stay tuned. This is going places. All right, let's get into it today. Let's get into it today. I want to tell you it's a story time, story time. Um, not that they're my stories, but I, w- I want to tell you five of my favorite miracle stories, my top five favorite miracle stories. Um, these are stories that I heard at a young age, and these are the ones that have stuck with me. Um, they've impacted my life. They're, they're all very different um, in that they're, they're not all the same. It's not all about healing. It's not all about, you know, prosperity. You know, it's, it's, they're, not, they're all different, but they've all impacted my life, and I, I promise you they'll impact your life too. Take a hold of these stories and understand that I'm not just telling you some some good you know some good stories like I'm your grandfather you know camping outside of a campfire. I'm telling you these stories because if if you're not careful you you'll lose this this whole generation of people that went before us. All of these people that I'm going to tell you about are not alive today. Let me check. Right, they're not alive today. And if you're not careful, you can, this generation, Gen Z, can lose all of our, our um, Pentecostal history. And I think one of the things that interests me the most is, are those preachers, are those men of God who have gone out before us and seen the miraculous? What, what it lets me know is that, you know, God isn't a different God now than he was back then. If he did it back then, he can do it now. And I always love hearing these stories because not only does it build my faith that God's going to do something in my life, but it builds my faith to see how God can use me and how he can use you. So I, I challenge you today, as you're listening to these stories, um, I want you to, to zone in. Think about it. Put yourself in, in their shoes. And then when you're done, I promise you a fire will be burning on the inside of you and then ask God to use you in that way. These are five stories that completely changed my life, and I believe they will for you, too. Are you ready? Do you have a beverage? Oh, is that... I'm looking across my room, and there's a grape Zevia staring at me, and I don't know if it's open or if it's full or not. <laughs> if you don't know what a Zevia is, by the way, it's, um, 
it's a soda, but it's it's zero sugar and it's sweetened with stevia. But now I just look like a friggin' liberal. Anyways, hold on. Let me let me go let me go check. Do you mind? Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check. Hold on. I need This is so unprofessional. I need a drink. Okay, wow. It's full. Let's go, boys. Hold on. One sip. Wow. That is epic. Okay, let's get into it. I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to tell these stories as best as I can. So bear with me. Um, these are all from memory. I'm not reading anything here. All right. So I don't know where I want to start. Actually, I do. Let me let me let me start here. Number one, the first story I want to tell you about that completely changed my life forever is a story that comes from a man named R.W. Shambach. If you don't know who R.W. Shambach is, he was a tent evangelist. Um, and, you know, if you've ever heard my uncle preach, his dad, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., traveled with R.W. Shambach. And R.W. Shambach traveled with a man named A.A. A. Allen, and he was a tent evangelist. So it goes A.A. Uh, a. Allen, R.W. Shambach, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. So, um, this story is, he labels it one of the, or not one of, the greatest miracle he's ever seen. And that's profound because this man saw miracles. He saw miracles. So, to say that this is the greatest miracle that he ever saw, that's something significant. So, he was under the tent um, brother A.A. A. Allen was preaching, and what would happen back then is these, you know, this was in the 50s, right? And so the World War II had just ended, you know, the tents, they called it the tent revival era because evangelists were putting up tents everywhere. Oral Roberts, A.A. A. Allen, Billy Graham was packing stadiums at this time. Um, and so A.A. A. Allen had a full tent, and what he would do is he would set up this tent, and he was in Birmingham, Alabama at this time. And uh, what would happen is in the day sessions, he would have his understudy, R.W. Shambach, preach faith. And then in the night sessions, um, A.A. Allen would preach, and then he would pray for people, right? And so people came from all over the country, all over the world, to be at these meetings because they knew remarkable miracles happened at these meetings. Not, not just Christian witnessed, but reporter witnessed crazy, crazy miracles. Okay. So, um, you know, so they have the tent up in Birmingham, Alabama, and there is this woman in the crowd, right? So she comes in and she's from Tennessee. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty far drive, Tennessee to, to Birmingham, Alabama. There's this woman sitting in the crowd and she has one son, right? She drove all the way $20 in her pocket. Her son has 26 major diseases. Now, I'm not trying to be, you know, politically correct here. I will tell you exactly what was wrong with the boy. The boy, um, so he had 26 major diseases from birth that are incurable. You know, nobody could fix them. He had no feet. Let's just start from the bottom up. He had no feet. So just clubs on the end of his feet, like 
like on the end of his legs, just like stubs, right? He had no feet. His arms were deformed and they were curled into his body and up into his ribs. And so they were matted down and, and pushed together. And so were his knees into his, into his stomach, right? So completely crippled. The boy had no male organs. And I think you understand what that means. Okay, so he's born with no male organs. The boy's tongue um, hung out of his mouth, just hung out of his mouth, right? He was mute. He could not speak. He was deaf. He could not hear. And his eyes, if you looked into his eyes, normally you'd see, you know, the, the iris, which is, you know, the color, and then you'd see the pupil. You'd see the white, then the iris, then the pupil. And in this boy's eyes, all you saw was white, completely milky white. He had no iris, no pupil, just white. 26 major diseases. And this woman, the the mother came up to R.W. Shambach and said, Brother Shambach, you have, you have to have to have to have Brother Allen pray for my son. I came all this way. I only have $20 in my pocket and I don't know how I'm going to get home, but I need God to do a miracle for me. And so how A.A. Allen would do it is he'd have people fill out their cards, right? Their their, uh, prayer cards. And so when A.A. Allen would call her a person's card, they would come up and pray. So they were numbered. So card number 12, I'm going to come and pray for you. And they'd come up in the line just to keep it orderly because there were so many people in the service. And so um, she was like, Brother Brother Shambach, he hasn't called my card yet. It's the last night. I need you to pray. I need you to have A. Allen pray for my son. And R.W. Shambach told the story. At this point, he was so, he felt such compassion for the woman that he said, what, ma'am? He said, even if he doesn't call your card tonight, I will personally take that boy back to um, A. A. Allen's trailer where he slept and have him pray for your son. And she was perfuse. She was, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so that night came, and <laughs> R.W. Shambach said it was, it was the same as every night. A.A. Allen would come skipping onto the platform. If you, if you ever watch A.A. Allen, there's still recordings of him on, on YouTube. If you ever watch this man, he was a character. Let me just tell you. He would jump onto that platform it was a very funny thing to watch. He would, he would jump onto that platform and he would say, God is going to do a miracle for you. So like he just, he was very animated. Um, so he skipped onto that platform, <laughs> you know, and people are ready to receive. And R.W. Shambach thought it was just the same thing. He was hoping that he, that uh, A.A. Allen would call the, uh, the woman's card, the boy's card. And, a. A. Allen starts out his sermon with something different that R.W. Shambach had never heard before. A. A. Allen says this, ladies and gentlemen, oh, still recording. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do something that I usually don't do. Tonight, I'm going to take up an offering. <laughs> and R.W. Shambach said, well, that's not any different. He takes up an offering every night. And then he said, but this time, I'm going to take up an offering of faith. And everyone looked confused. R.W. Shambach had never heard that before. He said, what's an offering of faith? A. Allen explained, he said, and that means you have to give God something that you can't afford. And so, you know, as he's taking the offering, people are coming down in the offering plate. Um, You know, they're coming down the thing to give him the offering. 
And R.W. Shambach sees the woman. And remember, she said she only had $20 to her name. And that was her only money. And she had to buy a hotel room. She had to buy clothes. She had to buy food for her boy the whole week. She's been there the whole week. And she only had $20 left. And she still has to get back to Tennessee. And so uh, R.W. Shambach sees the woman walking down the, the aisle with something in her hand. And as she gets close to the plate, the offering plate, she throws something in. And R.W. Shambach said, I was being nosy. I wanted to see what she gave. He looked down and he saw that whole $20 bill in the offering plate. He got up. He jumped off the platform, R.W. Shambach. He went behind the curtain and he weeped and he weeped and he weeped. He said, oh God, you have to do this miracle. He felt so much compassion for this lady. And so you know, he, he composes himself. He gets back on the stage. You know, that's where the ministers used to sit on the stage while uh, he preached. And A. Allen's preaching, and he's not even 15 minutes into the sermon. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm being caught into a vision. And R.W. Shambach goes, oh, Lord, here it goes again. This wasn't uncommon for A. Allen. Typically, wh- how God would use him is he wouldn't always call cards, but what he would do is he would have a word of knowledge of someone in the crowd. Then he would call them forward and they would get healed. That's how the God used him. And so R.W. Shambach goes, oh, okay, here we go on another trip. That's what he says. Here we go on another trip. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm being caught into a vision. He says, I could see very clearly. I'm, I'm coming up on a building. It's a big white building. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going into the building now. You know, thousands and thousands of people are in the crowd and he's caught up into an open vision. He says, I'm going into the building now. I can see clearly. Yep, I hear the sounds. I see the doctors. I hear the babies crying. This is a, this is a maternity ward. And so he says, I'm being taken to the third floor. Into this room. I see 12 doctors standing around a table and a baby in the center. A baby has just been born. And he goes, but this baby isn't normal. This baby has one, four, six, 12, 18, 20, 26 major diseases. And R.W. Shambach in his head, he goes, thank God tonight is that baby's night. And he goes, this, this boy is born with 26 major diseases. And then he goes, oh, wait, I'm being taken out of the hospital. I'm following a, a, a Ford. It's driving from Tennessee. It's driving up to this tent. I see the Ford parked in the parking lot. This woman is here tonight. And, and she said, and he said, lady, you're here. Bring your son. And he says, uh, immediately the lady comes up, scoops up her, her baby and brings him to the front. You know, eyes still milky, you know, has no feet, arms up into his, his body, folded up, matted up, his legs doing the same as can't hear, can't speak, can't. And so A.A. <laughs> Allen, all he does, he just picks up the boy and he keeps preaching. And he sets him down. When, when he sets him down, he commits, in Jesus' name, I command all 26 diseases to go. And, you know, R.W. Shambach recounts this. He says this. He says, I'm watching. 
I get real close. He says, I watch as his legs pop open, his arms pop out, unfold. He says, I see the the boy's tongue snap back into his mouth. And he says, I swear on my life, I see feet growing where the stubs were on his legs. Feet growing. (laughs) He says, the boy, as I look at him, I see those those milky white eyes. And as, as I look at him, I see whirlpools forming in those milky white eyes. They keep swirling, swirling, closer to the middle, closer to the middle. And when they get to the middle, I see baby blue eyes, crystal clear. And instantly, God healed that boy of 26 major diseases. 26 major diseases. And the lady came back, and she tells a story that when she brought the baby home, he also had formed new male genitals. So, I mean, you think about that. 26 major diseases healed instantly by the power of God. That story uh, builds faith in me. You know why? If you see it, the key was she sowed an offering of faith. She did what she, she was believing God. You know what the funny thing is? She brought to the meeting shoes. Now, let me just tell you something. You cannot put shoes on club feet or on on on, on no feet. <laughs> you have to put them on feet. So she had faith that her boy would be healed. Man, that's powerful. That is so powerful. That's the greatest miracle that Brother R.W. Shambach ever saw. And I mean, you know, that's saying something. That man saw major major miracles. And if you excuse the the uh, moving around, I'm just kind of relocating, if you will. I know, totally unprofessional. Alex, what are you doing? You should be focused. I am focused. I'm focused, I promise. Let me just move real quick. Then you won't hear anything from me. So that was the <laughs> that was the first story. When I heard that man, I'm telling you, that story stuck with me. I faith I mean, like, how can you, how can you even doubt? Like, when you see that happening, or when you hear about that happening, how can you ever doubt that God can fix what you have? It, you know, 26 major diseases. Some people can't believe that God can heal them of arthritis. And so, man, that builds faith in you. The second story, this is a very short one, um, and it's, it's unlike the first one because it's not a healing story, but it's one that I always thought was super funny, <laughs> super funny, and um, there's a man by the name of Lester Sumrall. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but Lester Sumrall was a great man of God, one of the greatest men of God that ever existed, I believe, and many believe. If you uh, if you know who Feed the Hungry is, the the organization that Miracle Word partners with um, to feed children, that's his organization. Um, he he found that before he went to heaven. But one of my favorite stories from him, he was in a hotel room, and he he really um, had command over the devil, and so he he taught all of his life on dominion over the demonic. And this is this is just a a picture of it. 
he was in a hotel room one night. Um, he was preaching somewhere, and he, and he came back, and he, he laid in his bed. He said he was tired. Man, he was tired. And he, so he tried to get right to bed. He, you know, he laid down in the hotel bed. Um, you know, just a one-room hotel where the bed was pressed up against the wall. Um, you know, typical. You can imagine, like like any Hilton or whatever. And so he's dozing off to sleep. And as he's getting to sleep, finally, you know, after a long, long day preaching and ministering and traveling, um, he's trying to go to sleep. And as he's dozing off, he feels the bed below him vibrating, like vibrating. And so it gets intense, and it's getting intenser, and I don't know if that's a word, more intense, and more intense, and more intense. And so, finally, he can't, he can't ignore it anymore. He, he wakes up, you know, he sits up out of bed, and at this time, the bed's shaking so much, it's vibrating so much that it's vibrating off the wall. And so he, he notes that the, the bed vibrates off the wall and into the corner of the room, or into the middle of the room pushes off the wall and starts vibrating, vibrating, and shakes into the middle of the room. And he says that the, the curtains started flowing. There were, you know, the windows were shut, but they started standing up, standing up, standing up on end, and they were stiff like a board, even though there was no wind. And so he noticed immediately that it, it, was, it was a demon. And so, you know, what he does, he doesn't get up, he doesn't freak out, he doesn't hide under the covers. What he does is he notices it, he goes... As it's, it's still shaking, there's a commotion that, the, you know, there's this demonic wind and the, vi- the bed is still violently shaking. He goes, devil, get out. And as soon as he said, devil, get out in Jesus name, the vibrating stopped. The curtains fell down. He tries to go back to bed. He goes, oh, that, you know, that's annoying. He tries to go back to bed and he, and he sits up again and he realizes, hold on, the bed. The bed is still in the middle of the room. And he says, he says, I'm not going to let the devil do that. And he goes, devil, get back in here. <laughs> and then the bed starts shaking again violently. <laughs> the curtains stand back up on end. And he goes, put it back. <laughs> and uh, and the bed starts vibrating back onto the wall. Shake, 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 back onto the wall. And he says, now get out. And the bed's put back in place and the devil leaves and the curtains fall back. Now, that's not a, like a, you know, if, if you think miracle, that's not typically a miracle story that you think about, but that always stuck with me. Number one, cause it's funny. Number two, just the, the dominion over the devil, you know, while we're on that, you know, and this isn't like a huge story, but his spiritual father, um, was one of them was Smith Wigglesworth and he has some stories, man. Um, he had he was real brash like he he was a a plumber from england and uh you know he had kind of an a cockney accent and he was kind of rough with people you know people always talk about smith wigglesworth nowadays like oh what a great man of faith but you know 95% of pentecostal churches would have hated him and not had him in to preach he was a brash man he would get up and punch people with cancer and they'd be healed but you know people'd still be offended and so one time He's up in his in his flat in England, and um, he goes downstairs <laughs> to get a glass of water. He's parched, and as he goes downstairs, he walks through his. He, you know, you have to walk through the living room to get to the kitchen, and as he walks through the living room, he's looking down, kind of half asleep, and you know, he kind of glances up and he sees a dark figure sitting in his armchair by the fire, and he stops for a second. 
And he realizes that's the devil himself. That is Satan sitting in my armchair. And without missing a beat, he goes, oh, it's just you. And he keeps going. <laughs> he gets his glass of water and goes back upstairs. <laughs> oh, it's just you. <laughs> doesn't, even, doesn't even regard him. That's hilarious. Um, really, on story number two, man, maybe I need to cut it down. I don't know if I'm going to make it. We'll do, we'll do two more. Now I have to select my favorite, too. Hmm, what should I do? Okay, this one, and then... All right, cool, we'll do it. Um, okay, I have, to, I have to cut them out, but it's fine, it's fine. So that man, uh, Lester Summerall, that I just told you about, you know, was in the hotel room. When he was young as an evangelist, um, you know, God, God, he was a weird guy because God called him to preach and he wasn't even saved. <laughs> he had hepatitis or he had tuberculosis. He was on his deathbed. And as he was dying, he saw a Bible on one side of the bed and a coffin on the other. And God said, you'll either preach or you'll die. <laughs> and he says, all right, I'll preach. And so when he started to preach, you know, he didn't even like people. He actually hated people. He hated preachers. He hated people. But he was just preaching so he didn't die. And, you know, eventually God, you know, softens his heart, gives him an open vision, gives him, you know, the, you know, compassion for people. And he starts traveling the world as an evangelist. And um, he was preaching, you know, he would just start off preaching in some, uh, in barns actually, because he, you know, he said he didn't, I don't, he's like, I don't like preachers, so I'm not going to go where preachers are. So I'm, you know, churches are where preachers are. So I'm not going to churches. I'm going to go to barns and old country schoolhouses. I'm going to preach to farmers. He says, they're much more bearable than, than preachers are. And so he's preaching in some schoolhouses and finally he gets a church meeting, right? And he's preaching this revival. It's a week long meeting and halfway through, you know, meeting's going good. There's no reason to stop. It was, it was probably one of the best meetings of his life. And as, you know, in the middle of the meeting, still has half the meeting to go, he hears the Lord say, leave this place and go to another, um, it was a, a denominational preachers uh meeting so you know it was it was preachers that met together on a quarterly basis whatever annual basis and so he said god that doesn't make any sense why would you tell me to stop this meeting it's going great and he said he felt so much conviction he told the pastor he said i'm gonna have to leave i'm sorry god's telling me to go and so the pastor got mad he said he said summerall i'm gonna run up your name to every um preacher in in this country so he said, you'll never get any meetings ever again. I'll tell him how terrible you are and how flaky you are. And he says, I'm sorry that it comes to that, but I have to obey God. So he goes to this meeting, um, this Assemblies of God meeting, and they're preaching there is a man named Howard Carter. And Howard Carter was a great man of God. Um, he, he didn't know who he was at the time, but he preached. He preached a good sermon. And, you know, Brother Summerall is, is sitting there listening. And, you know, preachers used to do this thing after service where um, the congregants would line up outside of the building and the preacher would come and shake everyone's hand. And so, you know, as Brother Summerall lines up, you know, he's Howard Carter, the preacher, comes, shakes everyone. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Very polite. Thank you for coming. Not stopping to talk to anyone. And as he came to Brother Summerall, 
Brother Summerall meant to look at Howard Carter and just say thank you. And as he shook his hand, he said, you know, he said, it shot out of my mouth. I wish I didn't say it, but I, I didn't, I couldn't control it. He said, he said, I'll go where you'll go. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll never leave you. And I'll never leave your side. And when you're old, I'll take care of you. He said it just shot out of his mouth. And when he said that, he was shocked. He said, oh my Lord, I'm so sorry. You know, think about how rude that is. Not rude, but just how stupid that is to say that to an accomplished preacher. You know, he was the head of a major denomination. He was a Bible college professor. You know, he was an accomplishment of God. And saying something stupid to him. He said, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what came over me. I'm, I'm so sorry. And Howard Carter looked at him. And he said, <clears throat> come meet me in my room after service. And so he thought, oh God, I'm in trouble now. And so he told him where to meet him. After that night, he came up to his room, knocked on his door. Howard Carter let him in. Um, and he said, I want you to sit down. And Lester Summerall thought, oh my Lord, I'm going to get a rebuke. <laughs> so he sat down. Howard Carter said, um, I want you to see something. He, he pulled out a journal and he started reading. And th this was a journal that he kept. You know, he heard from the Lord very profoundly and he would keep a journal of all the things that God would say to him. And so he pulled up a journal entry from years and years and years and years and years ago, years and years and years ago. And this is what the Lord said to him. He's reading it to, to Les Summerall. And this is what the Lord says. Soon I'm going to send you a young evangelist to be a help to you and to travel with you and to be your companion. This is how you'll know who he is when he comes. He'll say this, I'll go where you go. I'll follow you and I'll never leave you. And he said, and when you're old, I'll take care of you. So the exact same words that Lester Summerall said just now were recorded in a book, you know, years and years before. And Lester Summerall was shocked. And Howard Carter said, I believe you're the one that, that travels with me. And Lester Summerall said, well, okay, you know, I'll do that. And he, and he thanked him and he said, well, well, thank you, thank you. And he, he, you know, not thinking, he just thought, oh, th this is amazing. And so, you know, they said their goodbyes and, <laughs> and left the room. Well, Le Lester Summerall goes downstairs and, you know, goes, tries to go back to his room and he starts thinking, I, I never got his address. I never got um, a, a place to reach him. You know, I, I never got, and mind you, this is like the, the, what is this? He was born in, so this probably was like the 40s, the 50s? No, 40s. 30s or 40s. And, you know, he uh, he says, well, I, I don't even know where he's going. How am I supposed to travel with him? I just lost this man forever. And it's not like now where you could just, you know, look him up on the internet, find his Insta, see where, you know, check his stories to see where he's going next. It's not like that. If you lost someone and you didn't get a way to contact them, you lost them for good. And he, th he thought, oh, Lord, I blew it. I blew it. <laughs> and so um, he's praying to God. He says, Lord, I don't, you know, next couple days, next couple weeks pass. And he says, Lord, I think I just blew the biggest thing that you've ever done for me. And the Lord said to him, he said, go to Australia. And Lester Summerall thought, go to Australia? Where in Australia? And the Lord didn't say anything. He just said, go to Australia. So Lester Summerall, you know, obeyed him. <laughs> He's, you know, but think about this. How are you going to find one man in Australia? 
Like it's hard enough to do that now. Imagine back then. You know, if I told you, I'll be somewhere on this continent. Come find me. Do you think you could find me? No. You know, it's it's a long. It's like no chance. No chance. But anyways, he gets on a boat. You know, it takes a long time, months and months. Gets over to Australia from the United States, and he steps off the shore and he thinks, "What am I doing here? How am I going to find one man in Australia?" I just picked a random spot in Australia and I followed and I traveled here. Now I got to scour the entire continent for this man that I lost. And as he gets off the boat, he walks into the town and, you know, he's he's a foreigner, he's from America and you know, these Australians are happy to see an American. They they hadn't seen an American before. And so he's going through the town and he's asking someone cuz you know, he thought, okay, my best bet is a church. He's probably preaching in a church. And so he asks about churches, and he, he goes, well, to narrow it down, it's not going to be any church. It's going to be an Assemblies of God church, a Pentecostal church. But these people didn't really know what the Assemblies of God were, right? So, you know, it hadn't spread to Australia widely. So they wouldn't know, like, passerby is going to know what the Assemblies of God are. And so he starts asking people, hey, uh, where, where's, where can I find a, a Pentecostal church? And they just look at him funny, and they just leave. He asks people, you know, all, all over. And finally, he, he realized how to ask them. He goes, hey, wh- where's a church where I can go where they, they shout real loud and they and they jump and dance? They said, oh, well, we'll go down there. That, that church is pretty weird. And so he goes to knock on the door. And as he's about to knock on the door of the only Pentecostal church in town, a man opens the door. He doesn't get to, a chance to knock. And he says, hello? Um, Brother Summerall says, hi, this is, this is a long shot, but do you know um, I'm looking for a man named Howard Carter. This man says, oh, took you long enough. I've been waiting for you. Come with me. Or no, no, no. He says, uh, he says, I've been waiting for you long enough. He'll be, he'll be down in a day. And Brother Summerall goes, what do you mean he'll be down? He says, Brother Carter. You were just asking about him, weren't you? And Lester Summerall says, you know him? He says, of course I do. Now, this is how God worked it out. <laughs> when God told Lester Sumrall to go to Australia. In Australia, Howard Carter was doing a um a men's retreat and he had brought the men of a of a bunch of different churches in this town in Australia and he had brought them up to a mountain and they were, you know, having a retreat or a revival, whatever you want to call it. And you know, it was miles and miles away from civilization. And and so they went up the mountain, they they were having the revival. The Lord spoke to Howard Carter, Lester Sumrall just stepped foot or is about to step foot on, on uh, land. I want you to send the pastor of this church in this town to go get him. And he sent, He says to the pastor, he says, look, you're going to go collect this man named Lester Summerall, and then I'll be down to meet you. And he says, well, when is he coming? He says, he'll come to your house, or he'll come to the church. <laughs> he goes, okay. And so when Lester Summerall knocked on the door, that man was instructed to wait for him by the Spirit. That's, that's all they knew about. Like, that's an incredible story. Think about that. Like, what are the chances? Like, that is a miracle. What are the chances? What are the chances? I mean, that's impossible in the natural. Imagine hearing from God so clearly that you can pinpoint a location on the globe and know where someone is. And the Holy Spirit will do that for you. It's the word of knowledge. It's the word of wisdom. It's a gift of the Spirit that all believers can um, flow in. 
So don't hear these stories and think, wow, you know, what a, what a great story. You know, they're like superheroes. They're not like superheroes. Elijah wasn't even like a superhero. The Bible says in, in the book of James, Elijah was just like us. He had like passions like we are, just like regular, like a regular man. So don't think like that all this stuff is way out of your league. Get hungry for God to use you, and you'll see miracles like this in your own life. Start believing for miracles again. In your own daily, mundane, boring life, believe for miracles. Believe to hear from God. Believe to see the, the sick healed, the dead raised. And that brings me to my last story, the dead raised. We're going to Africa for this one, and I'll, and I'll be brief with this one and, and let you go. We're going to Africa and Nigeria. A man named Benson Idahosa. Benson Idahosa. Many call him the founder or the father of Pentecostalism in Nigeria. Right? Benson Idahosa planted thousands and thousands of churches. Took um, Nigeria, which was a Muslim nation, staunch Muslim nation, and in the time that he ministered, flipped it into a Christian nation. Powerful man of God, powerful man of God. But his story doesn't start where he's, you know, commanding 10,000 churches and, you know, and is, you know, 60-something and seeing miracles every Sunday and preaching. This starts when he's 14. His mother, you know, and, and Pentecostalism, you know, spirit-filled people, they were not common in Nigeria because it was a Muslim nation. Like, let alone Pentecostals, there were no Christians in Nigeria. But there was this one meeting where a an American evangelist came over to <clears throat> an American missionary came over to Nigeria to preach, and uh, and he preached that Sunday morning on miracles. He says, you know, he preached out of Mark eleven twenty three, whatsoever you say unto this mountain, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. You can you can speak to this mountain. Be taken up, be thrown into the sea, and it will be done for you. If you don't doubt, but just believe. He preached that God can do anything. You can ask anything for prayer. And he, he made this very clear. He said, anything is possible for those that believe. He, he actually preached, and young Benson, who's 14 at the time, never heard any of this stuff. He wasn't even a Christian. He, he's, you know, believing in Jesus as he's sitting there. And he's hearing the man, and the man goes, you know, Jesus even raised the dead and you can raise the dead. And that stuck with Benson. And Benson thought, I can raise the dead. You know, like, and mind you, in Nigeria at this time, no, a long time ago, the death rate was massive. The child, you know, the infant mortality rate was high. It wasn't like us where we have, you know, children's hospitals and stuff. They were, there was major diseases and no cures for those diseases. Not America, Nigeria, the bush of Africa back then. And so, he, he asked the preacher right after service. He went up to him. He was curious. He said, preacher, now you said that God can do anything, right? The preacher said, yeah. And, and he said, well, then you said I can raise the dead in Jesus' name. You know, and thank God the preacher didn't go, well, hold on. Let's, you know, let's take it, take it easy, which most preachers would. You know, you asked, you ask, a, 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 you know, challenge you. Go, go, go to a preacher. Ask them, can I raise the dead? 
if there's any answer but yes, that's what Jesus said. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what people, people, that's the way people think. Thank God this preacher, though, he said, yes. Yeah, God did say, the, the works you see me do, you shall do also, and greater works than these. Yes, you can raise the dead. Benson he goes, wow. And he starts thinking about it, and he goes, well, if I can raise the dead, I might, I want to do it. <laughs> so, you know, think about this childlike faith. He gets on his bicycle, doesn't have a car, obviously, um, gets on his bicycle, and he goes through his rural town, and he starts knocking on doors. And he knocked on the first door, and he said, hey, did anyone just die? No. Okay. And he left. Knocked on the next door. Hey, is there any dead in this house? No. All right. He went away. Knocked on the next door. And he kept doing this. He kept asking for dead people for hours and hours and hours from morning up until late afternoon. And as he was knocking this one door, he said, as I was knocking the door, I heard screaming and crying and wailing and mourning. And as the parents came to the door, he said, do, do you have any dead in the house? And they said, yes, our, our daughter, our daughter just died. She's right there. And, and Benson said, take me to her. I'm going to raise her up. <laughs> they go, you know, confused. He just barges his way in there. She's laying on the table in the living room, just dead, like completely dead, just out dead, not alive, dead, dead body. Her corpse was laying there on the table. And so he said, as he's recounting this, he said, I remembered how Jesus did it. He sent the people, you know, when he, when he healed Jairus' daughter, he said he sent the parents out of the room. And so he said, well, I did the same. And so he said, he said, you have to leave. And he sent the, the mother, the dad, and all the sisters out of the room. He says, get out of the house. You know, this isn't his house. This is their house. He says, get out of the house. And so they leave. They're waiting outside. You know, because, you know, I don't even know why they listen to him, to be honest. I'd be ticked off. And so he said, you know, I was just going to do exactly what Jesus did. And so he he went down, he kneeled over the girl, and he said, you know, because he was 14, he had just read the Bible in King James. He said, when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, he said, damsel arise, which is an old English word for girl. He said, damsel arise. And so he leaned over the, the dead body, and he goes, Damsel, arise. Nothing happened. He did it again. Damsel, arise. Nothing happened. He says, hmm. Hold on a second. He goes outside. He checks with the, the parents. He goes, what was the, what is your daughter's name? The girl in the Bible's name was Damsel. <laughs> and, you know, her name was not Damsel, but, you know, he was 14. He didn't know. And so they said, my daughter's name is Edwada. He said, Edwada. Okay. So he goes back into the room, and he leans over the girl, and he says, Edwada, arise. And instantly, she wakes up, she <gasps> sneezes seven times, just like in the Bible, gets up. Benson picks up the girl and gives the, the living girl back to the, the parents. You know, that that boy later on, um, you know, not, you know, in this, in this at 14, led mass healing crusades. People from all over villages and towns and regions would come here and preach at 14 and heal the sick. You know, great men of God. 
You know, it's funny is one of the sisters that he sent out of the room, the sisters of Edwada, later on became his wife, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but I mean, you think about that at 14, if you just take the Bible and believe it the way it was written, it doesn't matter what age you are. You don't have to be experienced. You don't have to be um, super in- intelligent. Just believe the Bible. You know, someone, one, one child with faith will outperform any um, adult with a doctorate who doesn't believe any day. I'm telling you. You notice how miracles, once people get all, you know, pompous and, you know, scholarly and not, not that um, intelligence is bad, but once people start doing doing that, it's not soon after that they deny the miracle working power of God. That doesn't happen anymore, you know, amen. That's, it's gifts of the Spirit have ceased. And you can't be too knowledgeable for God, but you can be too intelligent for God. But if you have faith like a child and just say, if Jesus said it, I believe it, man, take that, take that for you today. Apply that to your life. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for every single young person that's listening. Lord, I pray that as faith was built in their hearts today, that you would strengthen them to believe for greater, that they wouldn't be comfortable at their level of faith, but they would be pushed to increase and to see greater in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening. I'm going to hop off and... uh and I'm going to go to sleep. I don't know what time it is where you are, but for me, it is 1.40 a.m. So, does that explain, like, the soft radio voice? Which, I'm sorry, that just bothered a ton of people. Kind of creepy. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Listen, I love you. Stay tuned. If you haven't followed already, at Last Gen Youth on Instagram, go follow and we will be doing a ton more stuff. If you're not on the text list, go to miracleword.com slash last gen and the form will be right there. Sign up and you can get texts from me personally and you can ask me any question. Text my personal phone there. All right. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye.